The following episode is brought to you by the generous donations of Elizabeth Clark, Daryl Delaney, Ryan Royce, Darren Katzka, Irene Viarito, Laura Pickren, Jessica Smith, Devious Pop-Tart, Natasha Rallerson, Richard Cree, The Cam Family, Charles Compton, Dustin Troop, Rebecca Miller, Edvard Arnoff, Michael Clark, and David Scrams, along with all of our generous patrons. Hello and welcome to Eberron Renewed, a tabletop role-playing actual play podcast. I am your normally Game Master Eric, uh, and I just wanted to drop in to welcome you all to the episode. This is the first episode of our second one-shot in the interim between campaigns, uh, where we have GM Chris of the Order 66 and the uh, Forge podcast uh, joining us, and we are very excited to uh, have him running us through uh, his Dusters and Dragons setting, which he is actually uh, allowing us to play test for him. Uh, so normally we obviously have everybody here for the intro, uh, but we recorded this just like a pure one shot. And then uh, I'm cutting them up into one hour chunks for you all to enjoy. Uh, so without any further ado, uh, we'll get to the episode and then I will talk to you all afterwards with the outro. All right. And we're going to have some fun together. Um uh, we're going to take 15 minutes to flesh out your characters just a little bit. All right. Now, I've done my very hardest not to lock you guys into too many boxes. Um, there's a lot from your your choice of career, um, as well as your motivations, your your strengths, your flaw, your desire, your fear that are on the back that should inform a lot about your character and what's important to them and why they are who they are and why they do what they do. Um, you know, at a very high level, you know, um, Glorfin, uh, gl- you know, uh, Glorfin is a gambler. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's what he is. Okay. He's a, he's a half elf gambler. Um, you know, uh, Grum is a preacher. All right. Obviously a very devout person, um, you know, with a bit of an anger management problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Lelia is a patrician she is she you know maybe not currently but at the very least comes from money in high society she also mm-hmm. comes from the old world but she is obviously a scholar okay this is a person who's dedicated to knowledge exploration okay and understanding of the world um matthias um is is a cambian all right so you are you are a, a half fey blooded creature all right and we'll, we'll we'll come to that in a moment um, but you know you're a gunslinger, straight up. Uh, that's that's what you are. Um, and then of course we have Mickey, the lawman. All right. So what I'm going to ask of you now is each of you is going to get to dictate <laughs> a relational fact about another character. Hey, all right, it's kids on bikes. Hey, <laughs> it's <laughs> Philip's least favorite thing. So I've actually uh, I don't I've mind actually... this part. This is no, this is not anything like what I disliked about kids on bikes. I'm <laughs> dictating something about a relationship, not something true about your character. <laughs> well, it could get that way. We'll see. 
Um, <laughs> we'll see. But we're going to start actually with um, with Mickey and Jeff. So Jeff, this is something <clears throat> you're going to dictate about Glorfin's relationship to you. Glorfin is one of your oldest friends. I want you to think about how. All right. Now, you don't have to answer me right away. Just think about it. We'll come back to it in a moment. Okay. Right? How is Glorfin one of your oldest friends? And what does that mean for your relationship? All right. Uh, Glorfin, Eric, this has to do with, with, with Randy and Grum. Grum trusts Glorfin, trusts Glorfin implicitly. Why? What happened to cause that relationship? All right. Randy, I need you to figure out something about Lelia. Lelia's character is, is fascinated by you. Why is Lelia's character fascinated by you? Um, Lelia, Matthias is attached to you. In what way and why? Tell me about that relationship. Oh, because I'm so pretty. And uh. it could be something as simple as that. It could be something as simple as attraction. Um, and lastly, uh, Philip, uh, uh, Mickey is indebted to you. The lawman in the group, the sheriff in town is in your debt. Why and what happened? So we're going to, at a very high level, we're going to go around the table and we're going to discuss this. Um, so we'll start, we'll start with, uh, with Jeff. Jeff, tell us about, tell us about Glorfin's relationship to Mickey. Um, how is Glorfin one of Mickey's oldest friends? Okay, um, I think <clears throat> I think Glorfin and Mickey, Eric, if this is all right with you, I think Glorfin and Mickey are both townies. Um, they did both. The, they didn't st- roll in to this place. They both grew up here. I think, given. Okay, okay. I think that Mickey's dad runs the saloon. Um, that maybe Glorfin's dad or or parent attended right that's where they went right that's where the gambling started so these two as kids were always around each other and then mickey saw that going into law is actually a good way to ensure that her family business stays safe and glorfin saw the gambling path as something desirous but they just they just grew up together and just by proximity they're each other's oldest friends which causes some tension uh, but I think gambling is, if not, not illegal, certainly looked the other way in a town where there's a lot bigger threats. So yeah, gambling is legal. All right. Okay. Okay. Sure. Then right. There's no, there's no, they're not at cross purposes then with the fact that that's his chosen career or hobby or whatever it is. All right. So this is a, this is a good relationship. Now, something I didn't tell you before that I'm going to do now, after you guys describe it, I'm going to throw a wrinkle in. All right. <laughs> So here's the here's the wrinkle, um, Mickey. Your father died two years ago. Okay. And you are struggling still with the decision you made to not take over the inn and allow it to be sold. All right. All right. All right, Eric. Let's move to Glorfin. Uh, why does Grum? trust you implicitly
um so obviously um i give me a lay of the land in terms of grum being um being orcish does that like create any kind of tension or is it like not a big deal in this world like what does that mean so um okay uh so so in in terms of subspecies in this game when it comes to elves and when it comes to orcs there are two types there are new world elves new world orcs and old world elves and old world orcs the new world is the frontier it's where you guys are okay it's the colonies it's those colonists who three generations ago found a way to cross the rift uh built the iron carriage and now we have the frontier that's being colonized when when the old world colonists came here, they discovered that there were among a bunch of crazy ass fey creatures. Um, there were actually native elves and native orcs that were actually living here. Maybe distant, 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 extremely distant ancestors. Okay, um, in some relational sense, Grum is an old excuse me is a new world orc. All right, meaning that he was born or his family was born here in the new world on the frontier. Um, but obviously, with his chosen vocation, he has become an inherent of the old world ways. He wants to be a part of this society, not the raging horde that is his people. Okay. Now, I'll let you infer from that how people in civilized society might uh, <laughs> might <laughs> respond to him. Okay. With love um, and happiness. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to say then the reason that Grum trusts Glorfin, um, I spent that whole time with that sentence backwards. In my hand was like thinking why Glorfin trusts Grum. So, um, <laughs> Grum trusts Glorfin, uh, implicitly because, um, when he first rolled into town, um, he was getting a lot of sideways looks, sideways glances because, um, of, of being orcish and his faith and carrying, that st- if that staff staff that he has is a symbol of his faith, then surely that would be a red flag for a lot of people. Well, no, let's let's be let's be clear. The the he he's a man of the cloth. He's he's oh, the, he's not some barbarous shaman. Right. He has accepted. I mean, this is this is this is the native who's converted, basically. Gotcha. Okay. Not, not only converted, but become a damn preacher. Okay. Um. Well. Um. Is there any physical characteristic that would distinguish him new world versus old world? Um, honestly, the simple speech patterns he has. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so let's say when Grum first rolled into town, um, obviously the saloon being um, one of the center points of this town, being the the social hub, um, Glorfin would have been there and Grum probably would have uh, at least come to check it out. Um, and uh, somebody in the saloon uh, made the wrong remark about Grum uh, being a a savage or something like along those lines, being a new world orc. Um, And uh, Glorfin being um, the, the compulsive compulsive showboat that he is um, was very quick to kick his chair out from the the poker table that he he was at uh, and, uh, offer the uh the individual making remarks that if uh he had something to say they could go out in the street and settle it half elf to man um and the the person was very quick to back down and uh apologize before grum uh what glorfin has now learned grum's anger could get the better of him um so just the fact that uh glorfin was uh the first person to really stick up for grum 
in the face of of prejudice in this town uh built a, a great deal of trust on his his end understood uh so that's that relationship and grum that's why you trust glorfin implicitly here's the wrinkle eric um grum is a man of a man of the word he's a preacher privately mm-hmm. you find the entire concept completely ridiculous and have zero respect that you would be up to you whether or not you would ever communicate that to his beliefs gotcha all right okay all right randy we're gonna come yes. to grum so we have this scholarly highborn old world elf uh patrician who is rolled up into town um and she is absolutely fascinated by you why is she fascinated by you um i think that maybe she's even though she may be familiar with old world orc she's not that familiar with a new world orc especially one of the cloth and she's fascinated by what he believes as she's scholarly and maybe she doesn't quite understand what he believes and she's fascinated by that. So a scholarly academic fascination that I, I I'm, I'm all down for it. Um, so here's, here's, here's yeah, the and also, you know, she hasn't seen a new world orc. That's a preacher. Uh, exactly. Absolutely. So this is definitely fascinating for her. Um, here's the wrinkle. Um, whether you're willing to admit it to yourself or not, um, you are harboring a tremendous amount of secret attraction and physical attraction towards Lelia. Okay. Um, okay. Every time Chris GMs for us, Randy, you just got to get involved with one of the other players. Yep, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, entirely up to you, uh, whether you would keep that secret or not. Um, it would definitely be an odd pairing, um, in the old world, uh, orcs are very much, um, very much a subclass. So, um, okay. Lelia, Trevor. Yes. Matthias is attached to you in what way and why? Okay. So you tell me if this works. Um, I was thinking that Matthias was attached to Lelia because um, uh, this is the part I don't know if it's going to work. They've known each other for a long time and he feels protective over her. Like it's his job to kind of watch out for her. I, 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 I love it. Um, I absolutely love it. Uh, So what we can do is we can say, you know, (laughs) uh, the the town you guys are in, which the town is called Pixie Gulch, by the way. Um, Nice. (laughs) So so Pixie Pixie Gulch is one of the last stops on the Iron Coach. Okay, it's really it's really a major frontier town. Um, Very small population. Uh, When when Lelia arrived in the New World, um, she was obviously a, a lot a lot further east. Um, and we'll say that that she and Matthias met very early on, um, and and uh, have 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 maintained that relationship uh, easy. Uh, here's the wrinkle, Lelia. Mm-hmm. Um, without Matthias's knowledge, you have been chronicling your adventures together and are planning to become rather wealthy and hopefully famous 
um, through this hidden chronicle. Um, you're basically writing a dinosaur novel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, but you you have kept this entirely hidden from him. <laughs> All right, and lastly, Matthias Philip. Mickey is indebted to you. Why? What happened? All right. Um, <clears throat> this being a Western, I would like to plagiarize the plot of a John Wayne movie. <laughs> so at some point uh, in the past, um, Pixie Gulch was, or maybe still is, but at some point in the past was also Pixie Gulf Gulch was, uh, tormented by a notorious outlaw uh, who somehow or another um, perhaps through threatening the the saloon or something like this uh, goaded Mickey into a high noon gunfight which I presume is a somewhat extra legal activity um and everyone in the town thinks that she killed this notorious gunman and saved the town. Uh, but <clears throat> in fact, uh, Matthias shot him from an alley and has never revealed it to the town. Despite being all apparently the fame obsessed, mm. Matthias has never revealed all right, so and let's 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 fact, let's let's let's, let's killed the outlaw. So let's expand it then. I mean, because there there yeah. had to have been a good reason for it. So well, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm all down with this. So Mickey, you, th this gunfight did not go well. You were literally about to be killed, and Matthias saved your life and let you be the hero of the town. Well, okay, <coughs> we'll we'll extend it even further. Mm -hmm. Um, at that time, we'll say it was maybe a year ago. Um, Mickey was a a, a mere deputy. Um, okay. that event of saving Pixie Gulch from the notorious outlaw is what allowed her to be elected as sheriff in the first place. Okay. So entirely built on a lie. Um, here, Ooh, God, that was, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be my wrinkle. Okay. <laughs> that's going to be my wrinkle. Yeah. All, All right. right. Um, okay, so now hopefully we understand a little more about our characters and our relation to each other. I hope that exercise was somewhat enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, other than that, guys, we're ready to get started playing. Um, we've gone through a lot of housekeeping. I apologize for that. Um, but do we have any other questions before we begin? Nope. I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. Let's All party. right. All right. Well, welcome all. Um, thank you all again so much for joining me um, for this this initial playtest of something exciting I've been working on for Genesis uh, Dusters and Dragons. Um, my take on uh, Weird West or Wild West fantasy or whatever you want to call it um, using the Genesis role playing system. Um, so uh, why don't we very briefly uh, go around the table and tell us uh, tell tell everyone who you're playing. All right. Well, I'm. Uh, this is Jeff. I'm playing Mickey Westwood. She is a human. Uh, she is the sheriff of the town, Pixie Gulch. And you want more than that, or just that we? 
whatever you'd like to do. If you want to summer, if you want to do a quick, I wouldn't recommend reading your motivation entirely, but no, if you want to summarize something about the character. Um, she is a brain over. She likes to use her brain in her police work. She's not averse to pulling a gun. Uh, but you know, one of the things that, that I liked about the character when I was reading the sheet is that she prizes logic and she prizes ra- rationality, um, which is very cool. Um, but that also kind of makes her overly tenacious sometimes because she can't let it go. She needs to solve whatever it is that she's up against. So that's Mickey. All right. Um, this is Eric. And I'm going to be playing Glorfin Spurbottom, half-elf gambler. Uh, so uh, Glorfin um, is a very independent individual. Um, he has a lot of uh, a large circle of friends because he's a very affable person, but he he's not he doesn't like to be reliant on other people. Um, but he is a compulsive gambler, uh, which is also an interesting wrinkle because he also is terrified of poverty. Having grown up begging for scraps, uh, he never wants to go back to that. Um, so he he is a very independent person who seeks a lot of recognition and fame, primarily through his gambling and through his silver tongue. All right, uh, Matthias. Uh, I'm Randy. I'm playing, playing Grum. Up, oh. oh. <laughs> go, Randy. Do it. I'm playing Grum Craghollow. He's a New World Orc preacher. And he is fairly devoted to his beliefs. And he wants to be accepted by the community in which he lives. Something else about him is he has quite the temper at times. As is fitting for a new world orc. <laughs> uh, this is Philip, and I'm playing Matthias Sixkiller. Uh, Matthias is a Cambian, um, so he is a. You said a half fey blooded creature, uh, Chris. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that's correct. Uh, and he's a gunslinger. Um, he is uh, quick witted, quick sharp, sharp tongued. Uh, and loves the spotlight uh, and has a pair of extremely fancy bluestone pistols. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and this is Trevor, and I am playing um, Lelia Danfield. Uh, she is an old world elf uh, patrician. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Perfect. Hi, it, it sounds better than highfalutin. Well, <laughs> um, she is very curious, especially when it comes to learning new things and gathering knowledge. Uh, but she's also uh, a little bit reckless. So we'll see how that comes into play. <laughs> Excellent. So in the setting of Dusters and Dragons... Um, to, to put a few things in perspective and without any type of expositional dump, we'll, you guys will be able to infer a lot and we'll, we'll play as we go. Um, the first colonists from the old world came to the new world a few generations ago. 
um, building the the iron carriage shortly afterwards. Um, crossing the Great Rift to explore the New World uh, was originally a very treacherous and difficult proposition um, that early explorers risked life and limb to do. But with the comforts of modern convenience uh, and its wonderful iron tracks, uh, the iron carriage can take uh, anyone seeking a new life out to the New World and its wild frontiers uh, with amazing opportunity, amazing prospects, and wonderful natural resources, along with no small amounts of threat. Um, those in the old world um, had a lot of history, a lot of legends, things they thought were myth, and upon coming to the new world, discovered that their histories may be a lot more accurate than they originally realized. Creatures of myth, legend, and very, very old provenance exist openly in the new world, um, causing no small amount of unusual uh, situations <laughs> for those colonists, uh, settlers, um, and frontiersmen who are now calling the New World their home. Um, additionally, as as was pointed out earlier in the character descriptions, um, you know, Randy is obviously playing a New World orc. Um, orcs are one of the species that exist uh, natively in both the New World and the Old World, as do the elves. Um, as a a, a a new world orc, your native peoples are very, very barbarous, um, often referred to as the Horde, um, going around and and doing a lot of damage <laughs> and other carnage. Um, whereas uh, new world elves um, are, are very naturalist, um, very... Uh, shamanistic uh, peoples um, compared to compared to the very highborn and noble old world elves. Um, our setting is the town of Pixie Gulch, population ninety three. <laughs> um, founded um, founded a little over a generation ago as a mining town, with its primary export being bluestone, uh, which is one of the many amazing natural resources on the frontier. Um, can do a lot of very interesting arcane things when it's used metallurgically, uh, but most people on the frontier prize it because of its deathly capabilities uh, when it comes to any creature with fey blood. Mm. Uh, um, so bluestone being one of the primary exports of Pixie Gulch. So as the, uh, the day wears on um, and the sun is growing late in the sky, um, a, a lot of the uh, residents of Pixie Gulch find themselves in the town's saloon um, with its owner, uh, Greta Hammerfist, its current owner, Greta Hammerfist, um, polishing glasses behind the bar and laughing with her patrons. Um, it's been a good day. It's been a couple good weeks. Um, and the five of you find yourselves, you know, sharing a drink and a quiet word uh, with some of the, the locals uh, here in, in the saloon. Um, people are kind of on a high. Uh, the Iron Coach came in last night. Um, and it'll be here probably for another day before it departs. And anytime the Iron Coach comes in, you know, we have new travelers, new goods, new supplies. Um, so there's a, a fresh, fresh uh, stock you of whiskey, um, you know, a few other interesting things and bo- bits and bobbles that have come. And so the locals are enjoying it. Um, furthermore, it's been it's been an interesting couple weeks. There's been just unusual quiet um, in fact, as you guys are sitting around, uh, one of the local um, one of the local ranchers, um, actually uh, uh, Greta Hammerfist's cousin, uh, Born, uh, Born uh, is 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 saying, you know, that it's it's been it's been surprising. There's been no rustling of his herd uh, for nearly two weeks. Um, and Mickey, that doesn't sit quite right with you. It's a little worrisome because uh, there's a local uh, bandit crew called the Scale Gang uh, that have been notoriously rustling uh, from his owl bear herd uh, over the past several months. Uh, causing a, a lot of damage um, and stealing quite a bit of good owl bear meat. Um, so you know, it's 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 you know, overall the townsfolk are are pretty happy. Um, you know, the the scale gang is silent. 
Uh, they've got some new goods in uh, from the Iron Coach, and you know, you guys are just enjoying a wonderful afternoon. So, are you saying that we are all sitting together right now, or we're just all in the saloon? I'd say you're in the main room of the saloon. It's not too terribly big. Okay, okay. Just wondering. Well, Lelia's going to go order another drink. <laughs> Greta, would you fix me up another mint julep, please? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That famous Wild West drink. <laughs> uh, Gre- Greta, Greta sighs, gives you a wink, uh, pours a deep goblet of bourbon, um, and adds um, <laughs> a, a few leaves of local sage to it, uh, since... since uh, <laughs> Mint is a uh, sage julep. Yeah, <laughs> says 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 you know here you go, darling. Well, <laughs> I guess that'll do. Thank you. I've got a really bad Western accent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That excellent. That was an excellent like Western movie accent. <laughs> is what that was. Any of y'all want to play cards? I'm bored. Mickey is just surveying like she's clocking the new people, the ones that look um, more suspicious, those that look less, letting them have a little bit more freedom. Uh, You know, obviously she knows all the town people and, is you know, seeing who's present and who's not. But every time the the iron coach comes in, a new sense of vigilance comes over Mickey for at least that day or two when everybody's new and moving around a lot. So she's in the saloon, but she's not necessarily there for downtime right now. Maybe in a, you know, 20 minutes, things slow down or whatever. 20 minutes game time. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now she's she got her hackles up a little bit. If there's, if there's people in the saloon, then Glorfin is absolutely trying to wrestle up a card game. Like trying to get people to at a table. Absolutely, I, it's not even going to be hard. You you can be playing cards while all this is happening. Not not okay. not an issue at all. Well, then, as you're asking, Lelia's walking past you, and she says, "Well, sure, I'll join you for a card game." All right, darling, go and take a seat. <laughs> what are we playing? Go. Uh, fish, is the currency spades? is the current <laughs> is the currency fantasy currency like gold, silver, copper? Or are we talking dollars? Like what's what's uh, the currency? Uh, the currency is money. Um, uh, we'll, we'll just, we'll, we'll call it, we'll call it dollars. How about that? Okay. Now the buy-in is $5. <laughs> well, that's no skin off my back, darling. All right. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Glorfin deals. Uh, meanwhile, the, the bartender, <laughs> uh, the saloon owner, Greta, um, is, is, you know, hurriedly filling drink orders you know there's there's probably about maybe maybe eight or nine new people in town which is a lot for pixie gulch um you know that came in um there's a handful of prospectors um and they're coming in after buying some supplies um and and you know eagerly quenching their thirst and uh greta calls over her shoulder to her her cousin uh born and says you know so born you ain't had no rustling going on and he says or wait i'm sorry i lost i lost greta's voice so born you ain't had no rustling going on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he says, "Ah, no, no rustling going on." He says, "Me owlbear herd is safe and sound." He says, "But uh, I'm quite, I'm quite worried. It's just not right having a day go by without having to fend off one of them damn bandits, you know." So, <clears throat> what do we know about the way in which this is strange? Obviously, this is something uh, 
something weird. Um, but what do we know about the, why is this weird? Well, I mean, honestly, at least every day or every other mm-hmm. day when he's up here, Bourne comes in to okay. complain about the fact that he's lost another, about, about he's lost another owlbear. And, you know, or it, like last, like last month he came in, he, he lost okay. a dozen of the herd. All right. Um, and that was, you know, I mean, and, and rustling's not uncommon. I mean, Mickey, it's one of the more common things you have to deal with out here. Sure. How many um, run-ins has Mickey had with this, the scale gang, scale gang, right? Yeah. Specifically over owlbear rustling. Um, well, they're, 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 they're a smarter crew. They, they tend to branch out quite a bit. Um, they make a fair good money, a uh, bit of money wrestling. I mean, it's, it's hard to pin it on them, but over, over your time as a deputy and then sheriff, you've probably maybe made half a dozen arrests of different members of the gang, um, having to do with, with wrestling in general. But I mean, okay. hell, there was rumors that they pulled off an iron coach robbery last year. So, I mean, they, 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 they branch out. <laughs> sure. Um, even if, even if, even a bit of bluestone smuggling at one point. I mean, it's important to diversify your portfolio. I understand that, <laughs> especially <so>. in crime. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that Mickey overhears that and goes over, and she says, "Um, well, you know, I haven't seen hide nor hair of the uh, scale gang for a while. It's it's possible they moved on to greener pastures, as it were." Um. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, congratulations on the stability of your owlbear herd. Um, that's great, but uh, I suppose that is something I could go. You know, I've seen a few places where they bed down, and I know where uh, I've heard rumors of like their hideouts and things. And maybe that's something I could look into. Uh, if they're abandoned, I think maybe we could chalk it up as you know them uh, moving on to their next venture. Well, one can pray. Uh, one can pray, Sheriff. One can pray, uh, Greta says. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, Bourne also uh, makes the sign of obeisance. Huh? In- instead, of, instead of crossing himself, because they're obviously not Catholic. But yeah. Right. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, Matthias, since this is a busy day. So, Matthias doesn't. Matthias always stands as if someone was going to draw him or take a picture of him or something like that. Um, and so <laughs> Matthias has got himself uh, sort of leaned with his back against the bar with a, with a drink next to him. Um, and he's got his, his duster sort of pulled open to show off his gilded gun belt and the, the blue stone pistols. Um, and his hat, you know, pulled down low as such as it can be. He's got, you know, horns running along the side of his head. So that probably makes wearing a, wearing a cowboy hat. He spent a lot of time working on getting that, getting that tilt right with the horns. Uh, and he just sort of looks over his shoulder, um, and says, sounds like maybe you just don't know how to take good news born. Well, you know, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that's really important when you're shooing owlbears, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Just to clarify, are you saying owl bears or owl bears? Yeah, owl bears. You know, owl bears and bears. (laughs) Oh, Trevor! (laughs) Welcome to D and D. Somebody send him a picture of an owl bear. Yeah, gotcha. This is you know this is all a learning experience, step by step, day by day. My story. You're born born for the longest time. I've wondered. There's got to be easier livestock, right? Owl bears they pretty much take care of themselves, you know. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty handy, pretty handy to take care of themselves, you know. But it's the taste, you know. I get top dollar for the meat. Well, and you guys know, like owl bear steaks, that's like prime rib. You know what I mean? When you when you delicious. when you come into a little bit of cash, uh, that that's some that's some that's some pretty prime stuff. Well, now that I see them, yeah, I can imagine. You uh, you still selling the. Still selling the feathers to the old welders? He goes, eh, not so much anymore. They seem to take offense to it, you know what I mean? <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, one, of the, one of the new arrivals, uh, one of the prospectors, um, looks to be a kind of a, a human, uh, smells like he hasn't showered in about three weeks, um, has come into the bar, and he's, he's staring at you very, very, very deeply, Matthias. Um, and with, with with no small amount of awe, it's a little bit of awe. Um, and he's he's staring at your gun belt. He says, I'm used to that." He goes, "Tarnation, is that their bluestone?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he just goes little chin jerk up. But but ain't ain't you one of them Cambians? And there's. Just a little loss of smile. I am. Well, you're a brave man. You're 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 quite a brave man. All right, so you're gonna have to clue me in a little bit. <laughs> um, so bluestone. Am, am one, I one harmed the- when I touch? I mean, I know I know the bluestone has. Bane you were, properties, but yes, if you were to get shot with one of your own guns, yeah, okay, you you would have you would have a serious. It, I mean, it's 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 the equivalent of a fairy carrying a cold iron weapon, basically. Right, right. Okay. It's just it's it's which 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 is as much about your mythos as anything else. Sure, and then, sure. you know the you know here's a here's a fey, fey blooded creature carrying a weapon that is designed to take down fey creatures. Mm-hmm. So okay, so he sort of looks at him and and well. Ain't dangerous unless I let someone else get their hands on him. He says, well, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Meanwhile, Randy, um, obviously, uh, Grom is, you said, outside on the corner. Um, yeah, he's outside on the corner. Taking a look around. I want you to go ahead and give me a perception check, if you wouldn't mind, um, with the difficulty of just one purple die, which I have set. Perception, that's two green. So you're so with that perception roll, it was a failure. You have no net successes, but you did roll three advantage. So you failed to spot anything unusual, but you did get three advantages. So something beneficial happens. So here's what you're able to see. Um, walking at a rather stoic pace um, down the center of the street, walking through horse manure and mud and everything else, um, is the town blacksmith, old Elijah. Um, now, you know old Elijah well. Um, you wave at him. He doesn't appear to wave back to you or even acknowledge your presence. Um, and he doesn't he, like what I'm preaching. 
Well, now typically old Elijah is one of your better, uh, you know, patrons. Actually, um, he shows up for service most Sundays. Um, but you know, he, you you're familiar with him. You wave at him. He does not wave back. He appears to ignore you completely, and he walks in a straight line through the middle of the mud of the street. Um, and then he stops in front of the saloon, makes a sharp right turn, almost exactly ninety degrees, and then walks into the saloon. Um, nearly taking the doors off the, the double doors off their hinges when he walks through, um, you know, just without, without any grace or finesse. Meanwhile, the other four of you in the bar see old Elijah walk in, um, you know, completely. He just doesn't look quite normal. Um, honestly, all of you guys can give me perception checks as well. Uh, one purple difficulty. I have the difficulty set if you're using the digital character sheet. For advantage. <laughs> That's a failure with four advantage. Oh, my. Oh. Okay. So, Lelia um, and Glorfin, you guys both failed with some advantage. Lelia with one advantage, Glorfin with four advantage. Um, you guys, you know, are kind of nod to old Elijah as he comes in. You, s- you see that he seems a bit, uh, it's a bit unusual to see him here in the saloon, you know, this at this time of day. Uh, usually he's he's working. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of animals to be shooed, a lot of other uh, work to be done. So that's a bit unusual. Um, Mickey and Matthias, both the, the, the tiny hairs on the back of your necks, both raise up immediately. And I will tell you that for your successful checks um, that you've made, old Elijah just does not look right. Something something is wrong. Uh, he does not look like himself in any way, form or fashion. Now, Philip, Matthias rolled a triumph as well. Yep. What would you like to do with that <clears throat> triumph? I don't know. Uh, this is a, feels like an awkward spot to do that. Um, let's. Would you be open to a suggestion? I would love a suggestion at this juncture. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe you could notice something. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to provide extreme, uh, extremely more detail than I just did. Basically. Mm-hmm. I think that seems. That seems right. Is is probably Matthias prides himself on on his capacity to to read a person's stance, you know, as a as a gunfighter. Uh, and so, some he it, it's not just that Elijah doesn't look like himself. Matthias knows what looks wrong. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the last time the last time you saw a man look like this. Um, was shortly after um, a major gunfight um, that happened in another frontier town. Um, it was about six years ago. You barely got out by the skin of your teeth, and you were severely wounded. Um, there were about thirty-seven men and women that died in that confrontation. Whoa! It was m- massive, massive, massive between a group of hired mercenaries, military, law enforcement, and several others. It was one of those sensational things. Those that survived had this look about them that was almost glassy-eyed when they would sit at a bar in days to come, as if they're staring off into nothing, almost as if they're outside of their body. Um, it's almost like their their body was there, but they weren't. Um, almost an extreme shell shock kind of look and feel. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and you, you, you suss that out immediately. Um, additionally, you and Mickey both see... Um, 
you know, the bartender, she calls towards Elijah. Elijah does not respond. Instead, Elijah walks up to the rather smelly prospector um, that was commenting on your gun belt earlier. Um, he walks up to the guy, gets within four inches of his face, stares down into him. And old Elijah is a big dude. Um, he reaches down literally with his shoulder and one arm grabs the prospector around the waist and hauls him over his shoulder like a sack of flour and then begins to try and turn around wordlessly and carry him out of the saloon. Uh, Mickey. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I think, I think, uh, can, can I get myself between them and the door? Um, sure. I mean, is you to, to try and stop him basically? Yeah. Yeah. Well, to get in his way. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Matthias, absolutely, sure. um, senses something potentially awesome and dramatic about to happen. And so he's going to position himself to make sure that he is conspicuously a part of it if it goes down. Uh, and so he sort of pushes away from the bar, tucks his coat behind one of his guns, which he wears cross tucked um and just rests a hand close to one um sort of behind elijah who's i guess now moving towards mickey okay and meanwhile everyone in the saloon is either staring open-mouthed or going hey hey the the this the old prospector is like as you can imagine, he's flailing, he's screaming at the top of his lungs at this point, you know, criminally put me down. And, uh, you know, uh, and you hear, uh, so Randy Grum, you hear this screaming coming from inside just mere moments after you watched old Elijah walk into the saloon. Okay. Well, I assume since I would have known he was walking a little like not himself, it was pretty obvious. I would have probably followed and be entering about that time. Makes sense. So I'm envisioning you're coming up to the double doors of the saloon. You can see Mickey's back as Mickey moves to get in between what you can now see is the hulking form of old Elijah, literally carrying this random person over his shoulder who's flailing about as the Elijah starts moving towards Mickey. Well, I'm going to basically block the doorway. Mm -hmm. What's going on here? What what are you doing, Elijah? Put him down. So, Jeff, since you're closest, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. Elijah, Elijah just walks straight towards you and literally is going to just try and shoulder straight past you. Not 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 like a <coughs> linebacker or anything. Just slow plodding, pushing you past. Um, I. So, so I, I there, there's no there's no there's no talking like he's up on me right now. Wait, that's just, he's, he's not, he's not even looking at you. Uh, His glassy eyes appear to be staring off into the distance. It's almost like you're seeing, it's almost like your scenery. Okay. Um, I think I'll just try, you know, clap, snap, make some, some, some big popping noises, try to see if I can literally snap him out of whatever weird trance it seems like he's in. Cause I don't know what Matthias knows, right? Uh, Not unless Matthias is going to share, shared anything. I don't think you have Philip. Okay, then, then I'm yeah, I'm thinking that he's just in some weird fugue thing. I guess if I really can't see just the glassiness in his eyes, I'm gonna shout his name. Say, you know, Elijah, what the hell are you doing? Okay, then we're gonna. I'm gonna call for a leadership check. Um, 
This is going to be uh, difficult. Um, this is going to be a three purple difficulty leadership check, uh, which which I have set. But yeah, go ahead and give me a leadership check on this because you're, oh, this... you're, you're, you are trying to exert your authority at this moment. Okay, here goes. Hey. Hey. Is, okay. Wow. So that is a success with one success. Um, mm-hmm. And for the barest of moment, barest of moments, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're hollering at him. You're, you're doing what you said. You're snapping your fingers. Elijah, he, he like, and he, he's got a good eight inches on you. All right. Sure. And, sure. and, and, and his head just kind of dips down and these glassy eyes gain a brief moment of lucidity. And he looks at you and you see confusion. And just as quickly as you see that look in his face and that return of some semblance of conscious thought, it's back to a glassy-eyed stare again. And at this point, he's fully proceeding and trying to push past you. I I don't know how to say it, but something's not right with him. I don't think that I'm going to try to exert any sort of physical to try to stop him if he wants to get past me because I can't. (laughs) Uh, So I think what I'll say is, is it Crag Hollow? Is that right? Yeah. Grum. I'm going to say, yeah. Crag Hollow, do you know what is going on with your boy, Elijah? I don't know. He's acting very strange. And Randy well, Grum. Yeah, yes, Grum. I, I diagnosed that as well. Yeah, and Gr- Randy Grum, Grum would have seen the interaction that happened and seen the look in his eyes as well. You would have had a clear view over Mickey's shoulder. Um, and at this point, yeah, if you're going to let him go. And the prospector's like, like, help, help, somebody oh, help me. I'm blocking the door. I mean, I don't want to try to hurt Elijah, but he needs to put the prospector down. Well, Elijah's going to try and push past you, man. Um, I'm going to say this is going to be an opposed athletics check um, on your part if you want to try and stop him. Yeah, I want to try to stop him. Okay, so you succeeded. Yeah, so he tries to push his way past you, and he's got this dude screaming for help all over his shoulder right now. He tries to push his way past you. Um, You are successful. However, you rolled two threat. That was successful with three successes and two threat. So in other words, you succeeded on the check. He can't push his way past you, but you've got two threats. So something bad does happen, all right? So while he doesn't necessarily get past you, um, Randy... He kind of looks at you with frustration, and he is going to take a swing at you. Ooh. Uh, one arm, uh, you're, you're in his way. He needs to get past you. He can't get past you, so he's going to try and knock you down. Um, at this point, I'm going to get one swing off at you, and then uh, we're going to move into an initiative because violence has now ensued. Um, so he is going to take a swing. Uh, give me one moment. I would just like to point out real quick how incredible it is that even on Randy's messed up roll with all those extra uh, uh, negative dice, he still right. succeeded. He still succeeded, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think a meteor was going to fall on us with that, that amount of threat. Okay. <laughs> okay. He failed with two advantage. Um, so he takes a swing at you and misses. You literally are able to just kind of move your head, dodge back out of the way. Um, However, he is barreling ahead of you, trying uh, to get ahead of you again. Um, he seems emboldened. I'm going to stick those two advantage in my pocket. They're going to help him out later. At this point, um, 
you guys watch old Elijah just take a swing at the orc preacher. Um, <clears throat> everyone's going nuts. People are jumping up, reaching for weapons at this point. Um, it's initiative from everybody. So I need either a cool or a vigilance and this roll. Is in it is your weapons, choice. Talents and powers, and right, to make it work. Uh, if you're mm-hmm. if you're using your digital character sheet, it would be under weapons, talents, and powers. Yes. So there's it's uh, right next to skills. Um, and if you can go ahead and roll either cool or initiative, your choice. <laughs> Dang. I know. Philip, you're using up all your triumphs early. <laughs> and on an initiative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing. Which I think rules as written gets you nothing. Nothing. <laughs> uh, rules as written, yeah, but I hate that rule, so I do it a little differently. Yeah. We'll talk about that in just one yes. second. We appreciate that about you. <laughs> well, I was winning the card game. That that's that's what your advantage is: is you so. were winning the card <laughs> game. <laughs> that 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 you that you were. So, uh, with initiative rolled at this point, I have three PCs. So, also Trevor, Randy, as a uh-huh. reminder, way, the way initiative works in this system is unlike Dungeons and Dragons, where you have an initiative and you roll it, and that's your initiative, and this is your turn. Um, in in the initiative order, when you roll. Uh, that goes into a PC slot. Every NPC rolls, and there's an NPC slot. So round by round, you guys get to decide who goes first when. A um, little more flexible. Uh, so I've got three PCs that are going up first uh, before Elijah is going to get a chance to. So yeah, the saloon's going crazy at this point. The prospector's screaming his head off. He's screaming for help. You just watched Elijah take a swing at Grum, miss, but at this point is still trying to barrel out the door there are patrons and others reaching for guns at this point. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Not out the door yet, right? Not yet. Okay. I think the first thing Mickey's going to do is try to exert her influence over the other patrons in the bar to not turn this into a 37 person shootout. The and 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 just <laughs> and just say uh, I've been through one of those, yeah. man. You don't want to. You uh, don't want a piece of that. Well, do you want me to say, or do you want me to roll whatever I would roll, and then say what would well, happen? T- talk to me, and we'll figure out what you're going to roll. Okay, fair enough. Uh, she wants to. She wants to ensure the people who are reaching for guns that are not either law enforcement or Matthias, because he's Matthias, and she knows what he did. <laughs> or Grum, because he's the preacher that this guy goes to the church of. Literally anybody else, including right now, at least, I'm sorry, I've, I've forgotten your name. Lelia. Sorry, I wanted to say Leliana, because, you know. To ensure them that we've got this covered, you don't need to grab your guns. This is not a time for vigilanteism. That's what that's what the, the that's the point she wants to get across. I I would like to say that I really like that the way that that Mickey has decided to pay back his debt <laughs> is to let Matthias draw guns whenever he feels like it. Sure. <laughs> she, she she knows what's up. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I I really like this. It's very well within character. I'm going to give you a boost die for that. Uh, which I've already worked into your difficulty. Um, okay. you, you, you know, this is a 
this is going to be an average difficulty, so two purple dice that I have set. I'm also going to go ahead and spend one of my story points on this, um, which is going to upgrade that difficulty. Um, because quite frankly, um, uh, despair might make things pretty fun uh, right now. So I, I want to see if it's rolled. Um, this is definitely going to be a leadership check on your part. I have your boost set. I've got your difficulty set. One purple, one red. Just roll me a leadership check. You got it. Okay. Ooh. Wow. So that is a success with three advantages. So mm-hmm. with the success, nice. um, yeah, you, you, you stern worded out there, um, all the local Johnnies uh, who've, who've gotten up ready to draw iron um, are, are, are keeping their hands off their holsters and some of them are slowly sitting back down. Um, you got three advantage. What do you want to do with it? Um, I can't direct a boost, can I? Sure. Okay. So- That'll cost you two advantage. Okay. Um, can it be, can it be, I don't think I've ever done this. Can it be a vague direct? Like the next person who tries to subdue Elijah as opposed to a specific character. So for, for two advantage, for one advantage, you can, you can just say the next person, the the next player character to axe gets a boost die on their check period Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. two advantage. You can be like Matthias gets a boost die on his next check, whatever that is. Now, if you want to, I'll tell you what, if you want to spend all three advantage to get very specific and say the, a boost die to the next check to subdue Elijah, I would let you. I think that's what I want to do. I, 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 we, I do not want to kill this man, and we do need to get the prospector off of his shoulders. <laughs> so I think that's, that's going to be my decision with the advantage that I have. I, also, it's early uh, in playing Genesis and the juices aren't flowing properly yet. And so I can't think of anything cool. No, that's totally fine. It's totally fine. Um, also at this point, you guys have six story points. I would like to point that yes. out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, okay. That's that action. I have somebody else up next. Um, Glorfin, um, sighs as he stands up from the card table, seeing things escalating, <sighs> even though Mickey's words seem to have calmed down the locals, but, a lot of people seem to have a lot of strong opinions about this random guy being taken out of here. So um, Glorfin feels like it's a, a time for him to shine. Um, so I'm going to use my maneuver to walk over to Elijah. Um, I'd like to pull my gun. Um, and I'm going to be making a deception check because I have no intention of shooting Elijah in this instance. Um, but Glorfin sidles up. Uh, next to Elijah with his gun not in a, like he's not putting it up to Elijah's temple but you know he's he's got it ready and Glorfin says now Elijah uh I don't know what your quarrel is with this gentleman but uh just before you walked in here he was at the card table playing cards with uh with me and he owes me a good deal of money so uh before I can let you take him I got to collect I can deliver him wherever you like once I've collected my money but I'm afraid I can't let you take him just quite yet. And you said you also spent a maneuver to pull your pistol? Yes. Okay. So, so that would be too strain. That would be too right? strain. So uh, a little bit a little bit more uh, system learning for, for Randy and Trevor. Um, when you're in a structured encounter and it's your turn, you get one action and one maneuver. Okay. Now an action is, is what you might think of from Dungeons and Dragons. It's making an attack, making a skill check. Okay. Of any kind. That's an action, including the deception check that, that Eric's character has just made. In addition, you get a maneuver. A maneuver is things like pulling out a weapon or an item, moving your character one range band. Okay. You can also downgrade your action to a maneuver. So you can take two maneuvers. Okay. 
If you take an action and you take a maneuver, you can also take another maneuver for the cost of two strain. You're basically pushing yourself to get that extra maneuver in. Um, no matter what happens, though, you can never take more than two maneuvers on a turn. Okay. There's also uh, the other action type in the system is called incidental, which is basically a free action. So, Eric, to that end, uh, two strain uh, to move uh, in, 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 sidle up to sidle up next to him, um, <laughs> uh, uh, and also get a maneuver to pull your strain. And go ahead and give me your deception check. Your difficulty on this is going to be the same as the leadership check before, which is three purple dice. And I would like to use a story point to upgrade. All my right. Well, check. you've clicked use the story point, which you did, and I have your up. Grade noted. All right. So deception, which is down here under social skills. Okay. All right. To success. Nice. Um. All right. He looks at you very confused, and you appear to have snapped him out of it very briefly. <laughs> um. And we'll get to what that means on his turn. Okay but you were successful in that regard. All right, I have one more PC up going before old Elijah does. If it's okay, I would like to uh, go next. Go for it. I want to put a curse on old Elijah. Ooh, talk to me. What are you, what are you, what are you thinking? Um, you mean actually like using the curse spell like as it's listed? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, he, I guess he's in range. He's right next to me. It's a short range spell. Absolutely. So I just want to reach up and just touch him and just decrease his ability and skill checks. All right. Do you want to add any additional effects on it? Um, let's innervate him. Ooh, okay. That's going to be a three purple difficulty that I've got set for you. Could um, I spend a point to knock that down? Not knock it down, but you can, uh, you can upgrade your own dice pool. Okay, let's do that. I've got your upgrade noted, um, and I've got your difficulty set. This is going to cost you two strain, and yeah, you're going to try and curse him. Go ahead and give me a divine skill check. It'll be in the, in the magic section of the skills. Okay, here it goes. Ooh. <laughs> That is a success that is a triumph. Awesome. Um, so that's, that's quite impressive. Um, so first of all, you, you are successful, which means that, that you've not only cursed this poor guy. Um, and talk to me. Do you, do you mutter a prayer? Do you put a hex on him? What do you do? Um, I just... Um... I would just like to, because he's a, you know, he's a member of the congregation, and I just remind him, Elijah, be the light, do not be the darkness, put this man down. And the divine power of your words flows um, as as uh, as as this this sort of divine energy kind of settles on him, and he seems to sort of shrink just a little bit. Now. This effect is going to last until the end of your next turn, Randy, but it's also, uh, as noted in the spell description, a yes on concentration. 
What that means is that next turn, if you want to spend a maneuver to continue concentrating, this effect will continue to persist until the end of the next round. So when you cast a spell that has concentration, you can spend a maneuver each round to concentrate on it, and it'll just keep lasting. That makes sense. Yep, sounds good. But the instant you let it go, it's only going to last till the end of your next turn. Got it. Um, you're going to suffer two strain, but you got a triumph, man. You got an absolute triumph. What do you want to do with that? Can what I said influence him enough to make him put the prospector down? Um, I think that's completely reasonable. Um, if, are, if, if you want to do that, do you guys also have any suggestions for the triumph? I do not. I don't. I'm so bad at it anyway. <laughs> the worst with triumphs. So, yeah, I think I think putting the prospector down is totally reasonable. Um, and Randy, I'm going to go one further on this. I actually think that's not enough for the triumph. I, I want to do a bit more. OK, because okay. um, a, tri- a triumph is a, is a crit effect. OK, so don't forget to take your two strain. So you've suffered two strain from this. Um, it's now going to be old Elijah's turn. Um, so we had the successful deception check earlier that came from the gambler. So Elijah is literally going to put the gambler down. He is going to grab the gambler's money pouch directly from his belt, and he's going to throw it at the gambler. <laughs> All right, because he took you. He took you at your word that you know. Okay, they'll let me leave if he has if he has this money. So you have this. You, you literally in the center of your chest right now, uh, um, uh, a glorfin is um, is is this money pouch? <laughs> well, this day is going better than I could have ever imagined. Um, meanwhile, with that triumph, this is like this is like a, a the power of your divine magic um, has had a major impact. Um, he falls to his knees. He drops the prospector, um, and he starts he starts coughing. Um, I'm going to take us out of initiative at this point. I'm going to say that triumph has effectively ended this effect on him. Um, and he starts coughing and it is a horrible, nasty, disgusting, wet cough. And it's right, right at the, the lintel of the, of the, the doorway, right? Um, you know, the sun's going down, those red rays are kind of shining in and they really glint off at this point, the greenish yellow <sighs> mucus that is now pouring out of this Ooh. big blacksmith's mouth. And you watch as he proceeds to cough up what looks like uh, about a four or five inch long slug. What? <laughs> it, is, it is shiny, purple skinned wrinkled and has a tiny mouth with rows of sharp teeth end of episode thank you all so much for listening if you want to be part of the conversation head on over to the facebook group the geek pantheon uh we are also on the other social medias at the geek pantheon like twitter and instagram uh we also have an incredible patreon community if you want to head on over to patreon.com slash the geek pantheon and uh, check it out over there. Uh, we have all kinds of tiers and a great active Discord community that is always looking to uh, expand and have new voices added to the conversation. We're also proudly part of the D20 Radio podcasting network. Uh, if you head on over to d20radio.com, you'll find the best little uh, gaming blog on the interwebs uh, with new articles that go up daily, as well as uh, all kinds of podcasts underneath the podcast tab, including the featured podcast this week, What Comes After. It is one of 
the newest additions to the D20 Radio Network. If you enjoyed our Kids on Bikes one-shot, then what comes after might just be what you're looking for. It's an actual play show using Genesis, so using the same system we just used here in this episode, but uh, basically a (laughs) cataclysm uh, brought an apocalyptic event in the mid-80s, and this is five years later with four survivors trying to do some good in the world. Uh, So definitely go give them a listen and check them out, um, as well as checking out all of our social medias and all the other podcasts on d20radio.com. Once again, I have been one of your hosts, Eric, and I'm sure all the other ones would say their names here if they were here, but they're not. Uh, We will see you next time. 